Coming up on the Magnificently Huge Podcast, a gangster musical movie spoof starring children that is truly the weirdest thing we have ever seen for this show. Uncomfortably weird. Uh, Bugsy Malone, next. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Oh, hey there, listener, and welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast. This is episode 97. This is Chris. I'll be your erstwhile host this week, along with Eric and Brian, the other two-thirds of the Magnificently Huge team. Uh, and this week, we're diving into the strangest family movie ever made, and that's no hyperbole, let me tell you, kids. Uh, it's called Bugsy Malone. It stars post-taxi driver Jodie Foster, pre-Happy Days Scott Bayo. It's a gangster movie set during Prohibition, that uh, is also a musical. It stars uh, nobody over the age of 16. So it's all children playing adults in a gangster turf war that uses Tommy guns that shoot uh, cream pie instead of bullets. And, oh, did I mention that the songs by Paul Williams are all sung by adults and they just lip sync them in the musical numbers? Uh, It's strangely unnervingly weird, this movie. I loved it as a child. Because, you know, it's a it's a fantasy. It's a kid playing bang-bang gangsta uh, in Prohibition. But uh, there's no stakes. Nobody dies. Kinda. Did I spoil it? I hope not. But it's truly astonishingly weird, this movie. And uh, if you haven't seen it yet, oh, get out there and watch it. Because it's just uncomfortable uh, as an adult. I will tell you that now. Uh, maybe this is like Chicago, the musical. I don't know. It's just strange, but we hope you enjoy what we have to say about it, Uh, because we're just weirded out now, even now, still weirded out uh, by the movie Bugsy Malone. But if you like what we have to say about it, or anything else, really, uh, send us an email to magnificentlyhugegmail.com. That would be awesome. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, You can also reach out to us via Twitter, at MagHuge. We're on Facebook, Magnificently Huge Podcast. We're even on Instagram, also Magnificently Huge Podcast. While you're there, why don't you just uh, like the pages, follow along, uh, you know, like our posts, etc. Share us with your friends, and we would love that. We would appreciate it. Uh, we would be forever in your debt. Sort of like the Godfather uh, on the day of his daughter's wedding, if you want to follow the gangster motif here a little bit. Then, you know, head over to wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes is great. Go ahead and uh, give us five stars, if you would, please. Send us a review, please. Uh, but we're also on Stitcher and SoundCloud, etc. We just really hope that you're sharing these with your friends. Lastly, head on over to our website, maghuge.com. We got shows, we got links. That's where you can find everything. So, without further ado, uh, our talk about the weirdest kids' movie ever made. No hyperbole, I'm telling you. It's just strange. Bugsy Malone, coming up. Thanks. So, the use readies to do the podcast. I am, am used I? to guys, <laughs> you couple of palookas. Nobody oh, talks shit. to Fat Sam like that. Yeah. I'm not hungry. I'm starving. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so, yeah. For dick. 
Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, I can't say no. that. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, this yeah. is a children's movie, god damn you. Yeah, you would think, except they're you know, spraying <laughs> spooge all over each other with those Lord weird oh. So, yeah, Bugsy Malone is our movie of choice this week. I'm just going to tell you right now. Uh, of choices of t- for debate. Yeah, uh, but uh, it's the weirdest movie I think I've ever seen still. And I've seen a lot of weird movies, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is why I wanted to do it. So there you go. We'll, but we'll get into that, of course. Yeah. But how is everybody yeah. today? Great. <laughs> Don't all over, talk over yourselves. I love we talk over each other all the time until we go, how are you? Crickets. Uh, well, like, we're middle-aged men, so of course the answer is always, uh, uh, We never do the intros. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast. Uh, my name is Brian. Hey, Brian. I'm Eric. Uh, hey, Eric. Hi, Eric. And I'm Chris. Hey, Yay, Chris. We, we did that. Hey, yeah. guys. Yay. So the glad we could get that out of the way. Show. People, people wait all week to hear us introduce ourselves. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, yeah, they, they wait all week for the fresh shit. This shit is fresh. Oh, he did it. Thank it's you. Always yep. an, it's always like an endurance test. Who's going to say it first? Who's going to say it? Nope. It's not an endurance test. It's real easy. Okay. But, uh, it's like the fresh shit was, was, you know, came out of just, so what did you do this week? And so we realized now we don't do anything all week, well, short of whatever we say in the fresh shit. Yeah. Well, you and I don't. Brian does a ton of shit because he's got an yeah. actual life. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Sure. He's our model. Yeah, you just keep saying that. Okay. <laughs> uh, who wants to go first, then, if they've got anything to share? I'm listening to a really great podcast that's actually been on since 2014, but I only just recently found out about it, called Revolutions. And okay. it's a guy who walks you through all the great revolutions of history. And it's really fun. And he's a really good writer. That's what makes it so fun. He's funny. But he does like the Russian Revolution, the the English Revolution, French Revolution. You you name the revolution, he's doing the show. And I think it's probably I think he said it's done after he finishes this one on the Russian Revolution, but he's run out of revolutions. Does, yeah, he, so. does he have advice for us? <laughs> no, no, it's all history. <laughs> oh, damn. Uh, but yeah, it's it's ah, it's just a fascinating thing. I never knew this much about Karl Marx. And, really? Because uh, you've always been a really super big Karl Marx fan, so that me? shocks me. Yeah, I have. Has he? <laughs> I don't know where that's coming from. I don't remember from. that at all. Oh, I don't know. I was trying to tease something up so Eric could be interesting, but apparently that didn't work. Oh. Oh, uh, shade. Yeah. So much shade. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> Tell us more about Karl Marx, our favorite Marx brother. Well, I'm trying to find the name of the other guy. There was another uh, philosopher at the time who was big on um, on anarchy. Was it Trot- and, Trotsky? Was that his name? No, no, no. He he was years, years later. But okay. um, damn it, I can't find him. But anyway, I was like listening to this podcast and... He's talking about this guy, and I'm like, I love this guy, because he was basically saying, yeah, the workers need to run the show, but um, you can't do it by force. We can't make these people do this. You know, otherwise, we're just another sort of... They're basically both anti-fascists, yeah. and they're saying we, we need to stop that. 
Uh, and I was really into him until they got to the part about how much he hates Jews. And then I was like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of a deal breaker. Kind of a deal breaker. It really is. It's like, it's like I, 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 I don't get anyone who is like staunchly anti-anything having to do with race or gender because it just doesn't make sense. There are a lot of white, straight men who are complete dicks. You can't tell me that uh, uh, race plays a part in that. Anyway, yeah, it's gr- <laughs> there, there's there, it's it's a great uh, uh, podcast. I highly recommend. Now, the plight of Poland had long been a cause to rally around for everyone basically to the left of Metternich since 1815, especially in France. In the very last years of his life, Lafayette was very much focused on Poland and trying to help exile Poles in Paris, and he even accepted a commission in the Polish National Guard. No, you're writing a biography of Lafayette and awkwardly shoehorning him into the story. Okay. Revolutions. Revolutions. In, gotcha. in easy-to-swallow easy to 30-minute bites of history. So it's like the nice the Cliff Notes version of these moments in history. Then, uh, mm, he, well, this thing is it's it's thirty minute bites, but like when he does the Russian Revolution, it's like ten or twelve okay. shows okay. per season. So it's not like so, here I've got thirty minutes. This is the Russian Revolution. Go. Oh no no yeah okay. he he does okay. as many shows as it takes, but he keeps it at like about a half hour. Okay. So they're like, so chat, he's way like, more disciplined than we are. Well, that's pretty it's, much it's, anybody, really. It's part sure. of that. Uh, um, it, it's part of that genre of thinking podcasts that w- we are not part of. No, <laughs> I would agree with <laughs> yeah. that assessment. We do not do thought on no. the magnificently huge podcast. Yeah. No, yeah, we we, we just, can barely speak. We ejaculate comedy and opinions. That's what we do here. <laughs> <laughs> what is it with you? Damn it. Okay. <laughs> I think it was those fake Tommy guns with the whipped cream or whatever. Those were, were not fake. Those were so real. Everything about that movie is <laughs> believable. We'll get to it. Oh, boy. <laughs> is that so? Revolutions? That's Russia? That's your. Uh, oh, all, all sorts of revolutions. I'm, I, I started with the last one on Russia uh, when it didn't finish because I came right up to, you know, and next week, that's when I just tore into the rest of them and I'm. Doing the English Revolution now with uh, King Charles and the War of the Roses and all that. Uh, no, this is after that. This okay. is um, uh, Cromwell. Okay, uh, this is King Charles and Long Range Ainge and Michael Jordan. Right. <laughs> yeah. Wow, it's the Dream it's Team. Oh. Sons reference. Sorry. Oh yeah. wow. Um, Brian That's busting right, out King some Charles, some baller Charles references. Barclay, I remember now. <laughs> <laughs> Good one, Brian. Yeah. Yeah, everybody so, got that joke clearly. So good. <laughs> Don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. Uh, he doesn't. So, any, <laughs> any any other thoughts on this, or is this like literally no, that's all it. you've that's been doing? It. Okay. That, so it's uh, very uh, otherwise otherwise just work and sleep. You know. Okay. So work because sleep. I gotta say I love sleep now. Sleep is my my it's it's my bag. I I, I just like is being it your, not awake. Is it I your get jam? home. Yeah, some days I come home so tired, I go to sleep like immediately and I'll sleep 12 hours and it's like binging on Netflix because I know that I don't have to get up and I just like uh, like watch whatever dream I'm having and go, maybe I should wake up right now. Oh no, I don't have to wake up right now. It's two in the morning. Okay. And then I sleep some more and I, you know, do the rest of the thing. As the kids say, sleeping slaps. That's the big phrase. They now. say that? Yeah. If something's cool, it slaps. 
That's so wicker. Yeah. Isn't it, though? <laughs> we're so, nope. We're so nope. dumb. Okay. Nope. Uh, well, then. I, I guess we can turn it over to Brian? Unless you have other yeah, stuff. Yeah, sure. No. Yeah, do you get other stuff or just sleep? Okay, sleep and podcast for Eric. Yes. I'm okay. Ron All right. Jeremy. I got some stuff. <laughs> Go. So I uh, went to a concert, saw three bands I'd never seen live before. All together? Um, they played at the same yeah, time? Yeah. So, well, actually, kind of. I mean, it, the, they, you know, they come back out and play along with the headliner. But okay. um, So the opening acts, uh, the first one was uh, the band that BT is in, All Hail the Silence. Uh, so that was fun to see him. Um, he BT. He uh, he's one of my Desert Island discs. If you go listen to that episode, oh, oh uh, that he guy. has a okay. band called All Hail the Silence, which is him and one of his vocalists, and they're occasionally produced by Vince Clark of Erasure. Um, BT apparently goes to the EMF school of playing keyboard live, which is to say he tips his keyboard over as far as he can while playing and looks ridiculous. <laughs> Sounds like a keytar. Oh, we'll get to the keytar. Okay, uh, but not before we take a stop by the other opening act, Men Without Hats. You can <laughs> you can dance if you want to. I How many can. Remaining members. Um. Well, so one only dude? one from the original lineup uh, who has a hell of a baritone voice. Everybody else in the band uh, did play, except for like one of the backing members on their most recent album, which was maybe like seven years ago. Okay. Uh, love in the time of war so it's that version of men without hats let me ask you but, this if you ever toured with men without hats would you be the asshole in the back actually wearing a hat just as a joke no i don't i don't think that you're allowed to <laughs> damn um, okay i gotta say men without hats live is legit um <laughs> so first of all they have they have solved one of the big problems that the other bands didn't bother to solve um which uh, an earlier iteration of Depeche Mode had also solved, which is if you're a keyboard band and you're playing live, you have to have a real drummer on stage. You can get away with just about anything, but you have to have a live drummer. It makes all the difference. Yeah. Uh, Men Without Hats knows this, but I got to give them credit because I don't think they were actually playing sequences or, or even much in the way of arpeggiators. I'm watching the hands of... one. They have three keyboardists on stage, two women and a guy. And one of them, whose job was just to sit there and play eighth notes, and was doing it the hard way with a single finger, like didn't learn those tricks from watching the Laurie Anderson movie, but just going with her hand like the whole show. <laughs> and I'm, I gotta give props for that. My arm is tired. Um, the drummer, poor drummer, because every every Men Without Hat song has basically the same beat, which is right? Like, the poor drummer's just playing the same beat the whole set. Uh, but he's playing it solid. And then there's the lead singer, who is the original band member, and I don't know how else to describe this guy. He is happy old George Carlin. He looks exactly <laughs> like old George Carlin with the gray hair and the ponytail, but uh, well, he's doing better. the happy dance, like the Eric dance, like, all over the stage. <laughs> So, hilarious. so somewhat spastic yet fun. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. 
Um, yeah, Men Without Hats turns out they're a pretty fun live band. So, so um, they did the hits, I assume, and then others. Oh yeah, okay. they they played the Men Without Hats cover of SOS live. Nice. Wow. <laughs> I I was wondering if they were going to go there, but they absolutely did, and it was it was totally worth it. Okay. <laughs> I remember thinking they were, like, beyond that hit. They were a very good band. They were, like, not... I, I, I guess they're kind of like Devo. Everybody thinks of yeah. Devo as just the Whippet band, but it's like they had a lot more going on than that. I was they always did. partial to Pop Goes the World over Safety Dance myself. Yeah, Pop Goes the World is their best album yeah. by a lot, and they opened with Moonbeam from Pop Goes the World, which was a great opener. It had lots of energy. are just if you could get them and wang chung on the same bill you'd have like this really great high energy old people show <laughs> wang chung without hats yeah 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 okay with with, um, with an old george carlin young eric reed i'd fuck him <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'll have to send you a video i took eric so you can see what i'm talking about but um the headliner was howard jones hojo howard jones has been, you know, playing for frickin' ever, and he's... What was interesting about this tour, uh, this is in support of his new album, Transform, which is actually a pretty damn good album, uh, produced by BT, of all tale the silence. Um, but... He's been playing this stuff for so long, he's got so many different arrangements of his songs, and what he's done at this point is he slices and dices those arrangements together into one wacky version of of these songs Jesus. it's awesome the, ex- so, the extended mix it's like a greatest hits of mixes yeah yeah so <laughs> like hits you mix. take a song that like maybe nobody really cares all that much about anymore like everlasting love but he takes that song and he starts playing in the middle of it this like latin inspired version of it that sounds exactly like la bamba except then he starts actually singing twist and shout over it and then he goes back into the full-on digital version and ends with a classical piano riff (laughs) like he's just he's just he's like yeah i'm the synthesizer guy but look at what my hands can do he's you know so he's he's taken these arrangements all over the place he's completely rewritten the song life in one day because he's realized that he doesn't agree with the sentiment of his own lyrics. So he's like, okay, does. actually, you do, you, you do need to take life seriously, and the future will not take care of itself somehow. You have to actually <laughs> deal. <laughs> <laughs>
when they, if he, I love it if he did a duet show with Thomas Doubly. Because it seems I would like very much kind like of the that. same guy. <laughs> I just think it's funny when the artists get older and then they start looking at hindsight going, oh, man. Yeah. I think I just need to think about life a little bit more because I'm older and stupider. Yeah. How embarrassed do you think Roger Daltrey is every night? He has to sing, I hope I die before I get yeah. very much older. <laughs> yeah, really. If I have well, to stutter and- one more time on stage, God damn it. Yeah. And here's the thing, right? Howard Jones is is not a young man any longer. Um, he's we, the performance was at the Celebrity Theater, which is a small venue. Like it's yeah, it there's maybe a thousand seats the way they had it configured. Were they spinning it? No, they weren't. So they had they had half of it cut off. It's like a two thousand seat theater if they don't do the theater in the round. But it's, I saw Matchbox you know. Twenty there, man. <laughs> <laughs> Just a sidebar. Go ahead. So. Howard Jones uh, proves that old men should not wear tight uh, jogging <laughs> pants, like sweatpants. It's at and leisure. Old, old people, because when I see old women in it, it's, I'm sure, much worse. Seriously, it's I, all anybody wears to the grocery store here. So, yeah, I feel your pain. You're well, and his whole yoga, demeanor. Smart ass, don't put on yoga pants. <laughs> yeah. Poor Howard Jones. His stage presence, his entire stage presence is that of a TED Doc. He's got like the headset microphone, and he's walking around with his fingers steepled. It's it's like a TED talk with Howard Jones. Yeah, but that's almost fitting, though. He's so stupid. That's almost fitting. I can totally see that as like a Ben Stiller show sketch now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will say this though: he did a bit. So in the middle of uh, "Like to Get to Know You Well," which has a great um, remix going on on this particular tour. Uh, in the middle of it, he's got the guitar out. Oh yeah, there's guitar, um, yeah. and he actually does a guitar versus guitar solo off with his guitarist in the middle, and he gets some pretty good noise out of that guitar. So good on you, Howard Jones. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing. And then my other fresh shit, I took one for the team. I went and saw Stuber. Oh, you did. Oh, I did. God damn it. Well, Stuber is a movie. You yeah. can go see it. A um, commentary on buddy cop movies or not even that original and just a buddy cop movie. <sighs> Stuber is like watching three movies at once um, because it has it just is completely inconsistent. There, there is a buddy cop movie going on in. This is Camille. Uh, how the fuck do you pronounce Camille his name? Camille Nagiani. Yeah, Nagiani. Nagiani. Playing the Camille Nagiani character from everything, which is to say, the guy f- <laughs> from uh, Silicon Valley. Yeah, <laughs> the acceptable form of Nebu. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wrong. Sadly. I mean, I think no, I, think I didn't know. I'm agree with you. You're wrong in that Naboo is the planet from episode one. But oh, what's uh, the Simpsons guy? Apu. But anyway, Apu. Okay, sorry. <laughs> what um, Eric can't even tell the difference. That's how racist he is. <laughs> Apu. It's, it's him and um, Drax the Destroyer. Uh, what's his name? Batista. Yeah, yeah. Dave Bautista. Dave Bautista. Is, did, did did Bautista lose his neck for this movie? Because in the trailers, it's like it's just shoulder straight to head. 
It's weird. <laughs> he had a neck in other movies? When did Dave Bastista have a neck? Drax kind of has a neck, but in this they one, it's sort of wearing like... wearing a shirt. Yeah. Well, he definitely wears a shirt. And, and the gag one, is he's just had LASIK and he's blind the whole movie and can't see what he's doing. Oh, is that why he has to get an Uber? Yeah, that's okay. why he has to get an Uber. They don't explain then, that in the trailer. That would help the, immensely. The bad guy is Iwo Ukaias from The Raid. I have pronounce his name. I can't pronounce okay. anybody's name in that's this movie. Right. Don't worry about it. Uh, with bit parts from Betty Gilpin. Um, there you go. From, you got one. From... Yeah, <laughs> the white chick. I can do that. Yeah, I don't know her pain. name. Who plays the the religious cop from uh, Santa Clarita Diet? And uh, Karen Gillan has a has a bit part. Really? So it's sort of a mini Guardians of the Galaxy thing. She's okay. she's in the first scene. She's the partner that gets killed by the guy from the raid. <laughs> nice. They have this okay. big action sequence, but it's shot completely in like incompetent, over the shoulder handheld shaky cam. So you've got a pro wrestler and the guy from the raid who can actually stage a fight scene, but you can't see what the hell they're doing because it's just it's just completely ineptly shot. Okay. Um. So yeah. So there's this action movie going on, and then there's the buddy cop comedy, and then there's like the bit about how uh, Camille is friend zoned by Betty Gilpin, and. I Each one her. of them. I, it took me a minute to realize who you're talking about, but she is always so goddamn funny. She's like, she's that hot girl who's a dork who doesn't yeah. know she's hot. Yeah, she's the American whatever from uh, Glow. Right. Um, yeah. She was in uh, Nurse Jackie and uh, Masters of Sex. She's in all sorts of cool shows on on not normal TV. So the movie is is I mean. Each scene, and, and even in the structure, like there's clearly competent writing going on. Each character has an arc, and things that are set up pay off. But it's, it's like they... I don't know if it's in the edit, or if the editing of the script, or, or what happened, but it's just so disjointed. Yeah, um, I, I see the trailer, and I just think, next. And then yeah. I think... I think I, I, maybe it was in front of John Wick 3. I got the trailer for Stuber... But also the trailer for the other Bautista movie coming out. Oh, that's the, yeah. the CIA the, guy and the little spy. Yeah, the, the, little kid. the little kid. Yeah. I'm like, he's totally following every action star movie paths in Schwarzenegger. It's like kick out a couple of actioners yeah. and then yeah. start doing the family friendly humor stuff. It's like, come on, man. He's gotta have the Rock's agent, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I mean he's doing Stuber, the same path. Stuber is R-rated. It is definitely not family-friendly in yeah. in the language or the violence, honestly. Um, it's just, yeah, if you've seen the trailer, you that's exactly the what's, you know, the movie is what's on the tin. The trailer is the movie. The movie is the trailer. Okay. Um, you know what? It was, it was better than expected, but I went in expecting dog shit. So I got <laughs> better than dog shit. Um, you, you know, know, it's it's woke. You know, it knows that there's toxic masculinity and it deals with it in an intelligent way. It knows that the friend zone thing is kind of fucked up and it actually deals with that in a in a good way. It it's got a better payoff than you'd think. Um I still so like it when you called it dog decent. shit. Honestly. Yeah. It's that's <laughs> nothing like Stuber a Brian is slightly better than dog shit. That's yeah. my review. I Thank you. <laughs> that's a classic Brian review, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> call it let like you see you. let me ask you because this did seem to me like you know another one of these uh love letters to 
80s action movies. Yeah, it is. So then the editing, this is, I think it's interesting that you say it's shit. I don't, I, I'm not surprised, but is it like they knew the style of the 80s, but felt they had to update it? Like they were no, mixing styles incorrectly. Mm, there's not enough style in this movie to say that. It, mm. it really feels like they had a script and the script was okay. And then they shot it and then they shot a bunch of other stuff. And then it just got lost in the edit. I think that's what happened. Yeah. I think if I think, anything, the editing is, is the style of incompetence is the style that, of the edit. What's funny is that makes me want to see it just so I can answer this question for myself. Just because you said the raid, which m- means you know they saw the raid, which means you know they know what good looks like. <laughs> so it's like, were they trying to John Wick basically like 80s yawn fests, you know? It was like they were trying to do the the my son even called out quantum of solace um in terms of like <laughs> ouch don't you dare bad ouch. shaky cam and editing don't yeah. you dare i love quantum of solace yeah, oh you're a man alone sucks. you are a man alone sucks in quantum of solace <laughs> why don't you go drink a quart of oil you dick at, at least awesome. here the action scene in, at the beginning of this movie is better than the action of quantum of solace because the people involved are karen gillen Dave Bautista and the guy from the raid who all look so utterly different that no amount of shaken camera can t- can confuse me into not knowing who's who, which oh. is not true of Quantum of Solace. Uh. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thus endeth the lesson. Yeah. I've been I've been woke. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, wow. save us. What do you got? Fresh Oh, it. good lord. Uh, not gonna happen. I saw Colossal this week. Have you seen Colossal? Oh, okay. Yes, you familiar with this movie? I don't even know what Colossal is. No, what's, what's Colossal? Oh wait, it's uh, is... it would have been perfect for our Godzilla show, but I just yes. hadn't seen it by then. But basically, it's Anne Hathaway and Jason Sudeikis in this what could be like a rom com kaiju oh, thriller. That's right. Okay, where, yeah, that was out. Yeah, a while speaking ago. of toxic masculinity, yeah, which I was not prepared for because the trailer makes it look like a fun romp. Uh, where they sort of yeah, deconstruct the, the Godzilla kaiju movie. But basically, there's a monster giant that appears in Seoul, Korea, uh, just out of the blue. And then Anne Hathaway on the other side of the world in New York somewhere, trying to figure out her life in her, her hometown, uh, realizes she's got some sort of weird psychic connection with it and can control its movements. And she sees it on the, the news uh, and comes to realize that she's somehow linked and then yeah, yeah. basically and then the, whenever she's in the park yeah. the kaiju attacks Korea yeah and then it yeah. turns into Jason Sudeikis is also uh, someone who can control like a giant robot and then that becomes sort of the in in the move in the TV news realm you can see their actions as, as what a normal monster movie like Godzilla would be but the whole thing sort of devolves into just yeah an, a whole uh, take on toxic masculinity it's weird yeah it's um, it's the it's a heavy-handed metaphor. Yeah, but really uh, heavy-handed. But I enjoyed it immensely. I I had no idea what it was. I had already seen the trailer, but I'm like, ah, oh, fuck it, I'll try it. Uh, and it was it was good. But it's the the guy that made it, Nacho Vigalondo, uh, also made Time Crimes years ago, which is one of my favorites uh, time travel movies because he's really good at deconstructing a genre trope. And sort of twisting it in on itself, and that's kind of what he did with this one as well. Uh, uh-huh. 
But uh, I really enjoyed Anne Hathaway's performance, and I don't normally like her very much in movies. Yeah, and no, she's. I think this is probably closer to her real personality than a lot of the roles she takes. She's just kind of playing the sarcastic asshole version yeah, of Anne yeah. Hathaway. So yeah, so it was good. Uh, so I was, it sort of took me by surprise. It's not a new movie, uh, but it is on Hulu. So if anybody out there is uh, looking for it, go ahead. I will check it out. Um, and then as a, a salve, it's better than Stuber. <laughs> oh god i would hope so uh but, but it's no quantum of solace no and for that we should be happy uh but really Fuck the you. only other thing, <laughs> the only oh, other thing did you guys see the article i sent blofeld is coming back for the next bond they're bringing uh, christoph waltz back yeah god damn it yeah so, in well, a hannibal I, I lecter role they fucked up that last one so bad, I want them to get rid of Daniel Craig just so they can start yeah. over over yeah. again. Yeah. I know? don't even want this next Bond movie. Everything no. everything I hear <sighs> about it just makes me want to hate it. Like, it's carrying over the same woman from the last movie, and yeah. now that's, we're bringing Blofeld back. And, well, and that's why, the main problem with this. Why would you come out of that last movie and go, hey, I know, let's make that last movie longer. Let's, like, add to it. Well, and no. I think if they're trying to do Honor Majesty's Secret Service, they're going to marry him off, and then they're going to kill her. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good bet. And they she never did. really established any you know emotional bonds with any other woman, and they were like, well, we can't do this all in one film. Why don't we just stick with that last one? Yeah. That's what I said. What see. else yeah. have you got, Chris? Uh, well, we'll end on a whimper. Uh, I stumbled onto a treasure trove of... Uh, Burt Kampfert music this week on Spotify <laughs> and that's all I've been listening to all week Burt Kampfert has the mad hits Burt yeah. Bare Naked Ladies <laughs> has it right yeah. uh, but it's like weird orchestral stuff uh, it's like basically the wider tamer version of Esquivel uh, so it's just music your grandparents might listen to but it's just all sort of instrumental swing and 60s stuff, but it's tailored for that white suburban crowd. It's so Chris, weird. My grandparents are dead and they wouldn't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> well, they can't. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, I was telling my friend at work about it and he just started into this weird rabbit hole, uh, which he told me about. He's like, I don't know why you told me this because it can't stop. But he looked it up and apparently Burt Camfort uh, sort of inadvertently discovered the Beatles, which is just huh. weird as a bit of trivia, but he's German and he was in Hamburg looking for a backup band for some singer that he was pushing. And so he got the Beatles to be the backup band uh, and they recorded a few songs. And then I guess at some point, Brian Epstein was in a record store and he heard someone ask about it. And then found out that the backup band was from Liverpool, and that's when Brian Epstein went, huh, a rock band from Liverpool? That's an interesting idea. And then the rest is history. So we can thank Burt Camfort for the Beatles. That's the uh -oh. trivia. Chris, I'm beginning to become convinced that you've fallen into a time vortex and are trapped in the 1970s. <laughs> it's possible. But I will tell you this. I will tell you this. His version of Sweet Caroline is just pleasurable to the nth degree. It's amazing. Uh, but yeah, if you if you ever have an opportunity to hear some Burt Camfort and his orchestra do it. Oh, oh, you just heard it. You just yeah. heard it right there. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, I, I, I envy you, Chris, because see, I'm going to run out of quality. You're never going to run out of weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, when your standards are as low as mine, it really is uh, indefinite as far as bringing stuff to the table. Uh, Speaking of low standards, we have to talk about Mad Magazine for a minute. Oh, oh that's yeah. true. Yeah. I wanted to bring that up last week and I t- just spaced it. Yeah, way to drop yeah. the ball. <laughs> Mad Magazine is going to cease creating new content and yet keep publishing old content. Oh, yeah. that I didn't know. I only yeah. thought they were going out of print. No. no. They're, they're going to do like a couple a year, but it's not going to be new material. So uh-huh. they're Because, you know, shuttered. what Mad Magazine was all about was talking about the past, right? Like, well, they weren't that's, doing... I, I think it's because yeah. post, you know, Don Martin, they, they never really got anybody new and awesome right i mean that was part of the problem the other part is it got loaded with ads yeah now full disclosure i don't think i've read mag magazine since i was like 14 years old so oh yeah i I, 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 as far as i know don martin is still there you know yeah no yeah he died years ago but i i'd come back to it every few years and i caught a couple of the issues with ads and i was just like oh why bother well when they it's the same it was the same thickness of the magazine so they actually sacrificed content pages for well, plus ads. they went to uh full color didn't they yeah yeah that's that to me when i when i read that i'm like oh that's just that's not mad magazine you need the yeah the cover which is color the fold out and then everything in between just has to be the black and white that's yeah, the exactly. It didn't have that shitty kind of paper quality. It was much slicker. Yeah. Mad Magazine is just by definition not slick. No. Mad Magazine is National Lampoon for kids. Right? Basically. Mad Magazine is your your first subversive counterculture magazine. It, it's yeah. the it's the first thing that you run across that says, "Hey, you know what? All the adults are fucking stupid and they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, uh, for me anyway, as a kid reading it, it was a gateway humor drug. Uh, that opened up a lot of avenues that I probably would not have explored via humor. Uh, had Same I not here. I don't, think, I don't think uh, uh, Weird Al Yankovic would have happened without Mad because oh, God, he no. opened up irony and uh, uh, parody. Yeah. Or he didn't. Mad opened up that and... Yeah, so I, I like I knew I knew how to roll once um <laughs> once Weird Al showed <laughs> yeah, up right place right time. But I still have uh, like boxes in my closet somewhere buried of all the back issues that I collected up until about the age wow. of fourteen fifteen that I just have never gotten rid of, and for some reason I've been trucking them around with me all this time. So yeah, now I'm gonna have to rethink getting rid of them. Now they have value. <laughs> yeah, whatever. But okay, <laughs> sure. Wink, wink. Yeah. But maybe I'll I, dig them out and play with the, the fold-outs and stuff. The fold-in, in, yes. In high school, at a used bookshop, I picked up, like, uh, a 1965 issue of Madden. You know, it wasn't a collector's. It was just an old one. And I didn't understand any of the shows, and it was still hilarious. Yeah. It's like, it was that kind of good. You didn't have to know the source. The jokes themselves were funny. They knew how to write them, man. Yeah. I don't know. So, R.I.P. M.A.D., Yep. That's all I can say about that. Four of forty for Mad Magazine. <laughs> but at the same time, remember that uh, you know the the far inferior cracked also went out of print. They sold the uh, the the I don't know, what the trademark. Yeah, the brand yeah. to the guys the who make podcast. the podcast, and yeah. now it's you know the most listenable podcast on the air, save for this. 
That's true. Oh, us. You meant us. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. No, no, the, this podcast <laughs> okay. is a rocker. You got to listen to this. This. Okay. All right. Are we ready? Are we ready to do the to do the thing? Yeah. 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 I got nothing okay. else. Yeah. Let's uh let's get Bugsy Maloned, fellas. Oh fuck. I I I just so <laughs> Just annoyed that we had to do this. <laughs> I, I knew one of you would be. I told I, was, I told my wife, Jolita's like, why? Why do you let Chris pick the show? Like <laughs> nobody my turn. Nobody wants to listen to this. There are four people in the world who, who give a it's shit about Bugsy alone. My, yeah. my wife said, read the Wikipedia page and say you watched it. Yeah. I'm like, I know I should, but I can't. Well, here's the thing is it was on cable i don't know a month or two ago and i came in midway through uh and i hadn't seen it in good lord like 30 years i'm gonna be honest uh it was a movie that i watched on reruns as a kid and i enjoyed because the whole thing is just sort of a kid's movie fantasy thing yeah i really enjoyed it as a kid yeah but as an adult i was watching it going this is horrifying I think this is bar none the weirdest thing I have ever seen as a movie. And that's including everything I've seen. Because it's just strange. You know what? I I went in gunning for it. I didn't hate it. I came out going, yeah, all right. I get why people like Bugsy Malone when they see it. Well, here's the deal. It's a trifle. Yeah, for the people that aren't aware. have to be the bummer. (laughs) No, one of us has to be. No, Uh, if you're going to be the bummer, just rage. Go. Yeah, yeah, go. Yeah. Well, my sister liked this thing, and so she would always play it when it was on cable. And I was like, you're retarded. Are you watching this again? And I I, I just, I I don't know. I think even at the time, I was like, this is dumb. I, I see what they're trying to do. I don't care. It's still dumb. And when I watched it this time, I was like, I wish I was watching Miller's Crossing, because that's basically what this is. yeah. Yeah, with uh, less story. Well, this so is explain, the, explain to the audience because I guarantee you, almost nobody listening to the show is, has seen oh, yeah. it. Well, at least people what is in Bugsy Malone. At least people in America, because apparently it's a big deal in the UK. Still. Yeah, yeah, it's they play odd. it for grade schools. Yeah, and and they yeah. do musical theater versions of it in, in uh, schools and things. But it's from 1976. Uh, from Alan Parker, yeah, the, the first directorial effort from Alan Parker, who is in his whole career has not done anything remotely yeah. like this who, since. Who followed this with Midnight Cowboy and the fucking Wall? No, Midnight. Yeah, yeah he did Midnight <laughs> Express, the Wall, or uh, Midnight Express, the Commitments, yeah. the Commitments, Fame. Angel Heart. I mean, none of his yeah. movies are even remotely close to kids' movies, uh, which is odd. But, Except Fame. Yeah. Fame is a kid's movie, except for sure. that Trejuli Coco part. You yeah. know, that's not so kid-friendly. So, yeah. But uh, but apparently he had been telling stories to his kids on road trips to keep them quiet. And one of them was about, like, this gangster thing. And so that sort of evolved into him doing a movie because he'd done commercials and things. So that was, like, his segue into making a feature. And they got financing, etc. And then he took his kids' own advice and decided to make it a cast with nothing but kids under the age of 16. So that right there is weird because it's a gangster movie with kids all under the age of 16 pretending to be gangsters and such from the Prohibition era. Uh, It's like a gang war between two mob bosses. And then, oh, here's the other thing. Let's make it a musical. Uh, We'll get Paul Williams to do the music 
but we'll run out of time on the production, so all the kids will have to lip sync to adult voices. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to to this, and then oh, by the way, they don't have Tommy guns. They've got guns that shoot whipped cream and stuff that are apparently yeah. lethal because the kids that get shot with these cream puffs yeah. disappear. Uh, but yeah, movie. they don't right. show them falling over dead. They just yeah. show them getting hit with cream. No, like, womp, yeah, this womp, they show, no, they show them with 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 the whipped cream splattering all over their face like white yeah. blood, and yeah. then it's and it's cut. And it, I can't not think of the wall when I'm yeah, watching fair. this. And it's just like there's just kids dying left and right, just brutally being <laughs> yeah. killed. Yeah. So it's, throughout this movie, it's there's, fucked up. Yeah, there is a the, scene where uh, a kid is getting a shave. At the barbershop early oh, on, yeah, yeah, yeah. and gets assassinated. And I swear to Christ, it is just like Mo Green in Godfather 2. Well, that's it's the that thing. Same, it's that same quality of cinematography. It's that same pacing, except yeah. the violence is faked. But that's, that's but, kind of, I don't know. Yeah, they put the towel over his head. They turn him towards the door. The other guy steps through the door. The yeah. Tommy gun abruptly shoots him, kills him. Like the, the violence and the pacing and the way it's cut is all classic gangster movie. It's shot straight. It's yeah, completely yeah. straight. Yeah, it's, it's a just that there's kids. Yeah, it's a full-on 1930s Warner Brothers gangster movie. Uh, all that's missing is Edward G. Robinson and Jimmy Cagney. Huh. Uh, I think they kind of got that in Scott Bayo and uh, the kid from Fish. I mean, which which kid? I think from they Fish? were good kid replacements. Do you remember the? Oh boy, this is a deep cut. Okay, Barney Miller. Yeah, uh, yeah, the, had the that fish. detective Fish, yeah, and the, Fish the, had a spinoff. And in Fish's spinoff, he had an adopted son, and the adopted son was uh, Fats McGillicuddy. Fat Sam? Or Fat Sam? Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, that's what's so the other... Yeah, I want to I go into that. It's, it's the, the way Alan Parker cast this thing, the way he directed it, like, normally you think of child actors, and you think of child actors, like, trying to be cute or trying to be precious. No. no. These kids are playing it like adults. Yeah, and it's, it's so and, weird. And they've got like mustaches and shit. The story <laughs> on the casting of Fat Sam is is Alan Parker. I mean, I guess he he did like thousands and thousands of screen tests, but yeah, he, he took to like a, a year to cast this thing, a whole year. He went to a school and he asked, like, who gets in the most trouble? And everybody pointed at this one kid, and that's Fat Sam. Yeah. And then I saw a documentary about the about the you know what happened to the cast of Bugsy Malone, and that guy is just that guy. He's just this yeah. fucking guy from Brooklyn. Yeah. Well, even even Bayo, that was like his one of his first movie roles, and went in, and I guess he just didn't want to be there, so he was just a total uh, wise ass to him. Uh, and they and yeah. they said, yeah, that's our Bugsy right there. It's like, oh fuck. And then, make America uh, great again. What do you think of that? Huh? Make America yeah. great again. Yeah. And then Jodie Foster was coming off of Taxi Driver. Yeah. Uh, and, she's, and she's playing. She's, like the, she's amazing. Yeah. And yeah. she's playing Tallulah the Chanteuse, the gun mall. Uh, yeah. But she's 12. And it's like, yeah. I could swear to God, it's like, you you got to be 18 in this thing because you're throwing off all of this vibe and it's making yeah. me weird. I feel well, she's weird. Foster coming off yeah. of Taxi Driver. Yeah. So Anybody he has seen Iris? Taxi Driver. I was just like, God damn it. She's the only one, like, I think with the emotional intelligence to bring it in this thing. Yeah. No, she had just filmed Taxi Driver and she'd been acting since she was like three. And I guess the way that they got her to come over and do it was that it was because she was going to be on set with a bunch of other kids her own age. Uh, but oh. she, but it, they got there and she realized that she was the only true veteran. So <laughs> they kind of left her alone to do her own thing because yeah. they had to coach all these other kids who weren't actors uh, to do this thing. 
Uh, so yeah, it's kind of weird. That was a big year for her because it was Taxi Driver, this, the little girl who lives down the lane, and Freaky Friday, I think, all oh, came shit. out the we same should year. Do that movie. That movie is fun. <laughs> what, Freaky oh. Friday? No, the little girl who lives down the lane. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. It's a very disturbing movie. Yeah. So so it's, uh, yeah, Jodie Foster is like the only tried and true professional actor in this whole troupe. Uh, and but it, it doesn't shows. matter. He gets great performances out of the other kids. The only one who really no, sucks doesn't. is the love interest because she hates Scott Bayo in real life. She found him repulsive, yeah. and so oh, who, she uh, has no chemistry with yeah. him. Yeah, <laughs> one word sympathizes. Yeah. But you're talking about the girl that played Blousy. Blousy, yeah. Okay. In the interview, she's like, she was so irritated because she'd go back to the ho- Holiday Inn where they were all staying, and all the other girls were like crushing on Scott Bayo, and she's like, ah. and i guess they had to do like a million takes of the one scene where she gives him a hug because she just would like "Eh," and like barely touch him and you're like no you have to hug him and eventually parker's sister was like listen if you don't hug him for real we're just going to keep doing this and you'll have to do it a whole bunch of times so just get (laughs) it over with (laughs) yeah so there you go but yeah the 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 whole enterprise is just so strange to me because i mean i think they had a bill uh, like a million dollar budget which in 1976 was not super cheap and they built that whole soundstage to look like the new york city uh yeah it's like three quarters size like everything yeah. is shrunken yeah. it looks <laughs> almost they, like a miniature but it's not because it's yeah. just kid sized because yeah it's kids and then when when you watch like is as a kid you don't really care you're thinking oh this is fun that could be me and it's just a fantasy world but when you watch it as an adult the first thing i started thinking was what kind of parallel universe is this where nobody lives past the age of 16? How do they make other children? I'm like, this is like a weird Star Trek episode. You know, it's like I wandered into this planet where it's nothing but children gangsters. It's just God so it. weird. This suddenly is a really great Star Trek episode. Yeah, it is. This is what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, it's like you take that one Star Trek with the kids who take over the ship and then you meld it with a piece of the action. <laughs> and then you just make that one weird fucking episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so strange. And, but, and you got to talk about the cars. Yeah, the the push pedal cars, like the bicycle yeah. cars. And then and they, they... Yeah. When a and guy have like, to, like, leaned in to talk to somebody in, in a car, and I, I realized how short the cars were, I was like... Oh wow, they really yeah. they really thought about this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's they're, when I started noticing the buildings, and I was like, oh. oh. Yeah, they're designed to look like Model T type normal 30s cars that we're used to in the movies but they have to pedal them like bicycles and then <laughs> and then they dub over the sound of the car going every time but they drive they, through but they legit like drove these cars through fences and into lakes yeah. and stuff like yeah. <laughs> it's so weird made the kids pedal the shit out of those yeah. things but the basic story is a fat sam the gangster uh and his crew run the speakeasy called fat sam's uh, and then get into a turf war with the up-and-coming rival gangster Dandy Dan, uh, and basically they Dandy Dan sends out his thugs to wipe out all of the henchmen <laughs> that Fat Sam had with these splurge gun things. And that was like notice the other thing too. Instead of the splurge gun, like the handgun was just basically a, a custard pie that you throw at somebody. Yeah, and they're like. Yeah. And uh, I, I want wait. I want to call out the pie thing because at one point somebody's putting on a show like at at the speakeasy, 
and part of the show is throwing a pie in somebody's yes. face, and I'm like, do they just kill somebody? That's, in the exactly middle of the show? That's exactly what I thought. That's a snuff film. No, that was a uh, bl- that was Blousey having her daydream about being on a film set. And then okay. she got it into the scene, and then like her scene was to basically shove a pie in the guy's face, like a Max Senate kind of thing. But in the context of the movie, she's having yeah. a dream about shooting somebody in the face. It's yeah, so it's dark. <laughs> it's so weird. But the then the other thing is really sideways on this yeah. in the movie about the child gangsters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing: is when you they set it up, and so they've got this the rules of this particular universe. Uh, but by the end, when they have the big production number, uh, they've already had the big pie fight because it's the big gang war ending. And then they all start singing that song. When you need a little love and it all comes back to you. Uh, and then they just start like throwing pies at each other, but none of them are dead now. So all of a sudden, the entire undergirding of the movie is totally just abandoned so they can do yeah. this show number at the end. Unless it's, it's like, a death cult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go oh man so yeah so they've, I, uh, again in the behind the scenes thing you know alan parker was saying that people would get shot with pies and then they would or with a splurge or whatever they call that shit and then they would show up in later scenes not dead and i i yeah. i guess i'd have to go back and double check that because i i was watching I it from the perspective of the, these fuckers are dead yeah i never saw know? anybody return honestly but maybe uh, they so yeah, if that's maybe. the case if you're not dead what good is it breaking in and shooting everybody with this stuff? So <laughs> yeah. what? Yeah. Yeah. But that's uh, what I thought but, after the first assassination. I was like, and now his clothes are ruined? What? Yeah. You know, there's there's a similar logic in um uh uh community. Every season they would do a paintball episode and they would do all of the cliches of somebody getting shot and dying, but it's just paintball. And then <laughs> they'd be like yeah. they'd do their death scene and they go all right, well, I got to go pick up the kids. Bye. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so, yeah, I was hoping there'd be some kind of like, shit. Yeah, nothing All like right, that. I'm going to go home. See ya. But the, yeah, but the, even the whole thing is just so intensely weird because you take, just take it on its own as just, oh, we're going to do a gangster movie cast with nothing but children. That's just strange there. But then, oh, we're going to make it a musical. That's just strange. I mean, it just, everything compounded makes this just a weird thing and alan parker has said in interviews he's like yeah if, if this was uh not my first movie there's no way that i would be able to do it because it's that's only a thing that could get made by someone who's never made a movie before right yeah. you know it's like oh well, sure we'll just do this whatever and so it's a g-rated gangster movie it was rated g yeah i you know as a kid you know, I'm trying to watch it again through the eyes of a kid, and I, I think that the the thing that appealed to me then was it was a kind of, oh hey, I could do that, yeah, right, exactly. Like, it it sort of pulls you into like, hey, this is all just Hollywood fantasy land stuff, but you could totally if these kids could do it, why not you? <laughs> I think that's what's appealing about it. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird. Now, now I'm and, so sad because I'm realizing. I hated this movie as a kid, probably because I looked at it and went, this isn't real. Nothing's real. Everything sucks. How I mean, old were you, though? That's, that's the, the thing. I, I, I think I was saying shit like that at three. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. It's, it sounds my mom right. tells me I was never fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing that's astonishing, looking at all of the stuff related to it, was how well it was received when it came out. 
Yeah. That's the oh other thing God. that gets me. It's like, what the hell was going on in 1976? I mean, it's Both just Gene Siskel shit. and Roger Ebert give it three and a half out of four stars. Yeah. And I'm like, why? And then I read the review and it's like, it's whimsical. Yeah. Whimsical. Yeah. My favorite, though, is Pauline Kael from The New Yorker, where she basically just said, the, the film is nothing but its god-awful idea. <laughs> She's like, we're, we're not watching actors in a story, we're watching kids do a stunt, and so we're primed to ooh and awe the way audiences do for a chimp on the Carson show. I mean, she oh, did not pull God. any punches. <laughs> Good <Yeah>. for her. <laughs> so Jesus I think, Christ. I think she might have she- been the one dissenting voice. Yeah, and it sounds like the 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 best written dissenting voice too. Those are thoughts I would have <laughs> yeah. loved to have had yeah. a half hour ago. Well, the fact that this thing was the official selection for the UK entry to Con that year that that tells me how fallow the film industry was at the time in the UK. At least in the UK, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because it's like that's your pick, really. Uh, you know what? Well, it. It does, it does, it, it harkens to Peter Jackson, doesn't it? Where, uh, he had those, those obnoxious films, but New Zealand didn't have much of a film community, so he got really far on them. I wonder, it's probably the same. I wonder what the British film industry was doing that year (laughs) other than this. Yeah, a whole lot of nothing, apparently. I mean, they, they were like the host studio for Star Wars. Yeah. Because nothing else was shooting at that time, so... Well, the other thing, too, that kills me uh, is because I hadn't seen it forever. And I watched it a bit as a kid because it would be on TV in reruns quite extensively, uh, you know, like on a Saturday afternoon or whatever. And I was amazed at how much I remembered of the songs. I'm like, oh, that's that song. Yeah. I'm like, I remember that. Yeah. And uh, it was just weird that it's just floating around in my brain pan and I didn't have to really do much to jar it loose. That was shocking to me. So well, it's, I think it's that's the other reason why it works. I, I'm actually glad that they didn't have the kids sing the songs. Like, I was terrified going in. You know, I was reading the description. It's a musical, and it's all kids. And I'm like, oh, God, am I going to have to listen to a bunch of kids, like, yeah. shrill-ass voices for the next hour and a half? Nope, nope. I get to listen yeah. to professional singers. Thank you, yeah. Paul Williams, you know, for phoning it in late. <laughs> You're not going to get a junior high version of Chicago. That's for sure. Yeah. It's just, Yeah. But the fact that he recorded those while he was out touring and would send them their way. But yeah, they ran out of time and didn't have an opportunity to re-record them anyway. I so think it worked great. Ah. Yeah, so it just adds that extra layer of weirdness to the whole Plus, enterprise. if you've seen pictures of Paul Williams, you know he's about the same height as the rest of the cast. They probably yes. could have put him in there somewhere. <laughs> well, but the fact that, yeah, he, he had written just uh, a crap ton of songs for people already. So he was established. You know, so, I mean, he did We've Only Just Begun for the Carpenters, and then later he would do the Rainbow Connection for the Muppet movie. Uh, I mean, it's just astonishing that he could crank out a whole soundtrack to a really oddball musical idea and that most of the songs would connect. Paul Williams got the mad hits. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) He's he's no Burt Campert, but whatever. (laughs) Uh, But the... The movie itself is just so disjointed as a musical because it just feels like they're shoehorned in somehow. Oh, it uh, makes no sense. I mean, look, yeah, it's like, oh, suddenly no we're going to... There's a whole subplot about a boxer that goes absolutely nowhere. That's so right? they can do the song, So You Want to Be a Boxer. Come on, man. So you want to be a boxer in the golden ring. Can 
you bunch like a southbound freight train. Tell me just one thing. Can you move anywhere like a hummingbird swing if you need to? Yeah, and then and then as soon as the song is over, nothing about the kid being yeah. a boxer. It's gone. That was yeah. it. It's so it's just like they saw a bunch of like old thirties gangster movies. They're like, okay, we'll do that scene and that scene and that scene. Yeah, and you know, and we'll cast you know, um, what's her name? Shit, uh, taxi Jody driver. Foster. Jody yeah. Foster. We'll cast Jody Foster as Jessica Rabbit, and we're good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the whole thing did have sort of a weird Roger Rabbit meets Cabaret kind of vibe at times. It was just, <laughs> it just you so strange. You weren't thinking of Miller's Crossing? I thought of, like, I found so many, like, similarities to Miller's Crossing. I was like, I'm pretty sure that the Coen brothers were making fun of Alan Parker. Well, and not only that. It, this it, is it, what it's really supposed to look yeah, like. Yeah, well, not only that, I was, I was thinking of Johnny Dangerously. Uh, as sort of a gangster yeah, spoof, yeah. Would, like, lifted heavily from this. Uh, Alan Parker lifted himself for... Pink Floyd's The Wall on certain numbers, like the down and out thing with the hobos. I mean, yeah. that's like, that's almost uh, verbatim the same sort of uh, choreography that he did for uh, another brick in the wall. I mean, it's just yeah. so weird on so many levels. Uh, but just, it was hard to watch this and not feel like I was watching outtakes from the wall at times. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, I really think you could cut like some of the shots of kids getting shot in the face into the yeah. wall and get away with it. Well, there's the yeah. scene. There's the scene with uh, Dandy Dan where he passes out the flowers to his crew, but not the one guy, and then shakes everybody's hand, but the one guy because the one guy dropped his gun after a hit, uh-huh. and then they basically rub him out. Uh, and I'm like, did David Mamet watch this movie and then write that into the Untouchables? I mean, it's really <laughs> weird because you come with me with a baseball bat, you know, and he's like beating him with the. I mean, it's just. I, I assume <laughs> that so all weird. of it is, uh, you know, derivative of something much earlier, and all of these movies oh. were referencing the, that. Yeah. Although, well, like, there is a scene where where somebody's just beating the shit out of other people with a baseball bat. Let's, I mean, oh, and the guards uh, are all dressed in catcher's gear. Yeah. Well, that's a uh, babyface played by Dexter Fletcher, who would now yeah. uh, be known as the director of Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man. That's what? where you yeah. got it start. That's yeah. Dexter Fletcher. What? Yeah. 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 I, I remember actually that's that uh, hearing of this movie before Chris brought it up where I was like the the people who were in this movie who went on to something. Yeah. You know, and then yeah. Dexter Fletcher and I'm like, "Really?" Yeah. It's oh, yeah. so weird. The, the uh, uh He just got announced as the director of Sherlock Holmes 3. There you go. Uh Lock Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. Yeah. Really? And yeah. and Gregory's Girl, wasn't he in that one too? Uh, I don't know about that one, but uh, the Rachel Papers. That's the one. So, yeah, he's been around forever, but he's babyface. That's actually the, the standout scene for me, the one that I always remembered as, remembered as a kid, was when they're getting ready to go in, and it's just all of them going down the line, get babyface, get babyface, get babyface, get babyface. <laughs> and then it's like him at the end just gets to ham it up. Get babyface. Oh, wait a minute. I am babyface. Uh, uh, down and Out was the, the thing that stuck in my head as a kid, that whole scene. Yeah. And, and then just, uh, the song is cool. But, well, it, but the one as an adult is uh, when Jodie Foster gets her time to sing My Name is Tallulah. Ugh. And it's just this weirdly sexed up 12 year I mean, it's just uncomfortable on so many levels when you watch it as an adult. <laughs> My name is Tallulah.
and you're watching the the kid actors, you know, reacting to Jodie Foster, and you know, again in the interviews, yeah. they they were like, oh yeah, no, that those were legitimate reactions. They were all like <laughs> hormonal and like, oh my fucking god, a girl touched uh, me. Ah, you know, yeah. <laughs> it is just so strange. Because like, I mean, I could, I just imagine in my head like the the pitch session to get this movie made. And it's like they're all just smoking weed and whatever. Just, okay, 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 okay. It's a gangster movie, but with nothing but children. <laughs> <laughs> and there's going to be songs. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like there's and no the way. all the are cream pies and the cars are bicycles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be G-rated and be fabulous. People will flock. I tell you, Morty. I mean, it's just come on. And it's, it works. Yeah, it actually works. No, it doesn't. It does. no, it doesn't. Oh, God. <laughs> but the thing that that gets me is how well received it is to this day in the UK. I mean, it won a, a bunch of Baftas. It won the Bafta for the screenplay by Alan Parker, which is just that again, doesn't make any sense. What the hell was seventy yeah, six like? like yeah. And you know, so no, it's uh, yeah. it's much beloved. I think. Uh, I can't remember what list it was. It must have been like Empire or something, but it's it's rated somewhere near the bottom. Yeah, it's like half 353 of the, of the 500 greatest movies of all time. Yeah, which is yeah. just astonishing to me. It's like, what in the hell is going on? Because it's such a strange movie. It's still strange. It will always be strange. And uh, I don't get it. I don't get it, which is why I wanted to talk about it because I, I feel like I can exercise myself now. I can move yeah. on. Uh, I think that's so. fair. I, and I, I, I guess the real question is, if if you knew somebody, okay, if somebody you liked asked you about this movie, would you recommend it? Uh, I would on the basis that everybody needs to see it at least once to understand what the fuck it is. I mean, it's okay. just, it's an oddity to be sure. So but Chris it's not, is a sadist. Yeah, but I it's think, not anything. I think my problem is also when I was a kid, I didn't get into kid movies, and this is one of those things that like kids are shown. Like, here you'll like this, don't you like this? Isn't this something yeah. you like? This is for kids. Yeah, and I, I, I was like, fuck you. And well, so you- I think that's probably why I didn't get into it because I have no nostalgia for it. But if you were watching this as a kid and you did get into it on a kid level, like you know, a sane, rational kid does. <laughs> <laughs> you probably would like it. Well, for me, it's I, I would watch it, and I don't. I didn't really take it at face value. I think in my my head, because I, as a kid, watched a lot of movies on TV, so I would correlate it to actual gangster movies, and so I knew those aren't splurge guns shooting cream pies. Those are actual Tommy guns, and they're killing these people. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's not sarsaparilla that they're kicking the barrels over. That's liquor. Uh, yeah. So I would make the corollaries in my head. So to me, it wasn't a kid's gangster movie. It was oh like an actual God. gangster movie. So that was oh the connection God. that I made. I just figured out how to make this movie really awesome is reshoot the ending. And, uh, suddenly like, you know, he, he Bugsy snaps out of it and he's a grown up, and the whole thing is shutter Island. And it's like the, <laughs> the, the walls are covered in blood. Oh, oh, that would be hot. Yeah. Yeah. I think Okay, so Eric doesn't like it because the violence was tame. That's the yeah. problem. Uh I think we've just solved it, fellas. Yeah, I would recommend it to a kid. Like I'm sitting here going, I would recommend if if you said, Okay, we're gonna make this kid watch Newsies or Bugsy Malone, Bugsy Malone all the way. Well, yeah, way but that's like kind of 
Would you give them some kind of primer so they would understand the, the gangster references? Because not oh, necessarily. No, no. No. Yeah. no, just 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 let it wash over you. Like just be be assaulted by Bugsley Back Malone in the twenties. Everybody was short. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'll, uh, the song says it all. He's a sinner, candy coated for all his friends. He always seems to be alone, but they love him. Bugsy Malone. I mean, how did we this? This whole time, I never thought of it until right this moment. The the scene in Airplane, how do you like your coffee with the two kids? Excuse me. I happened to be passing, and I thought you might like some coffee. Oh, that's very nice of you. Thank you. Cream? No, thank you. I take it black. Like my man. Exa- yeah, exactly. I had that yeah. thought watching it as well. I'm like, I'm like that's funny, but, <laughs> but yeah, but snap you, you out of it. Because you start thinking about... Who saw this movie Bugsy Malone and then made something later that referenced somehow uh, <laughs> part? Of, and you can start finding all of these references. Like, holy shit! This is like the most subversively influential weirdo yeah. movie ever. <laughs> it, it treats the kids with more respect than just about any kid movie I can think of. Yeah, it does. It's just like no, you get to be an adult in this. Uh, you don't have to be a yeah. kid, a precocious kid. You're an adult. Play yeah, adult. That is true. So. I guess, but it's <laughs> it's an interesting failure to me uh, at best, <laughs> and that's all I can really say. But it's definitely the weirdest thing I have ever seen still. I stand by that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the challenge is accepted. Okay. <laughs> all Hit right. Me. If, 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 if you've got a, a movie suggestion for something that's even weirder and you want to force us to watch it, <laughs> yeah, there's us. ways to we reach want- us. And yeah. we want fucked up that you we, that most people have never heard of. Go go completely sideways. You know there's that thing you saw when you had a fever at age 11 that was on Cinemax that you thought you dreamed. That's the one we want to see. Yeah. So here's but, what you uh, do. You go to our website, maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. You look at our old episodes, so eliminate anything we've already done because we've done some stupid-ass movies. Okay. Yeah. So and you look for old episodes there, and then at the bottom of the page, there's ways to reach us. There's a link to our Twitter feed. We're at MagHuge. There's a link to our Facebook, where we're Magnificently Huge Podcast. There's a link to our Instagram, or you, a link to email us, MagnificentlyHuge at gmail.com. Send us your worst, people. Bring it on. Yeah, totally. Hey, you know what? If you think you would leave a voicemail message, leave that message to... If enough people ask, fuck it, I'll send up a voicemail. That would be cool to have actual audio from listeners. <laughs> yeah, but no fatties, please. <laughs> You're a dick. <laughs> <laughs>